touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the A-Slut Podcast that of course stands for Advice, Sex, Love, Understanding and Trust. We talk about all things sexual, relationship-wise, polyamorous, alternative lifestyles, swinging, kink, all sorts of that fun stuff. And if you ever want to get in touch with the show you can do so by DMing into the Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. Instagram, all at the A Slot Podcast. You're always welcome to do that. You can always email the show at the A Slot Podcast at gmail.com. I always love hearing from you guys, so let's get into it. It's a flame with desire, which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love, every time I hear drums. Hello, my lovely little slots, and once again, welcome back to the A-Slot Podcast. Now, I have some, really actually, some fun and exciting news uh, for you guys, for anybody who's been on, who follows me on Twitter, uh, remember that's at the A-Slot Podcast, I put up a little post a little while ago, and... It's an exciting post for me. I'm taking this show. I've not actually taken this show. I'm taking it on tour, I guess. It's, I'm going on holiday. I'm going to take all my podcasting gear and everything like that along with me, and hopefully get really inundated, uh, really into it, and and get to meet some people and talk to some people while I'm while I'm out and about. But yes, the ASL podcast is going on tour, and it's going on tour. Uh, throughout the United States. Now, like I said, I am taking my podcast gear with me, and I really do want to meet as many people as I can while I'm out and about, and I'm doing this tour. So, in saying that then, if you're in the following towns or cities in the western side or southwest, I guess, uh, of the United States, let me know. Hit me up. Get into, into my messages, into my DMs. Send me an email. Do whatever you, you can to, to get hold of me because I want to talk to you guys. I want to meet you guys and, you know, get ideas from you guys. Just talk to you about anything that I've talked about and just have a general conversation. I am just a regular guy. Um, and, yeah, I think it would be really, really cool to, to hopefully get along with you guys. So if you're in any of the these cities, let me know. I'm going to be in Los Angeles for a total of six days. Uh, San Diego, I'm spending two or three days there. Then I'm... Then you're down to Tijuana. If you're in Tijuana, do not bother about that day because I'm most likely going to be just completely wrecked through all of that. So, so probably don't even try for that one. Uh, Tucson, Arizona. Then I head through to Tombstone, Arizona, El Paso, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Houston, Dallas, Oklahoma City, through to Amarillo. I know it's a small town, probably not anyone there. Through to Albuquerque, New Mexico, then up to Salt Lake City. From Salt Lake City, I'm going through to Yellowstone, Spokane, Washington, Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, 
back down to San Francisco, then Vegas, and then through to Los Angeles. So if you're in any one of those towns, please, 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 please let me know. I'd love to talk to you guys. Uh, I'd love to get your feedback on the show. I'd love to get new ideas from you. I'd love to have you on the show if you're, if you're up for that and you want to do that. Um, that'd be really, really cool for me. The other part of this is if you're in any of these cities, I would really like to get in and, and do some, for lack of a better term, classes or seminars or anything like that about, about the stuff that I talk about. So I've now done it in a couple of places where I've talked to uh, large groups about the consent culture in their companies and in their groups, and hopefully soon I'll be able to get into schools and stuff like that. Um, it looks like there will be a class or a seminar on some of my kinky, kinkier things in but I don't want to say the city yet, um, but it could be happening in one of those cities. I don't want to say it yet because it's not 100% confirmed yet. We just need to get a couple of the finer details down and, and go through all of that side of things first. But yeah, so if you're involved in any of the scenes or anything, or even just you're part of a large company that you think could benefit from, you know, a, a talk about their consents culture and, and anything like that or anything that I've talked about really um, please let me know I'd, I'd love to get some some for lack of a better term public speaking arrangements um, sorted out as well because I think that'd be really really fun it'd, it'd be another way to get a great message across to people and uh, another great way for, for people to learn um, so I'm really really excited for all of that I'm really really excited to be getting in and and doing a, a class of sorts um, if that does eventuate, I'm really, really hoping it does. It should be really, really cool. So I'm just going to rattle through those towns again. Los Angeles, San Diego, Tucson, El Paso, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Oklahoma City, Amarillo, Albuquerque, Salt Lake City, Spokane, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, and Vegas. I am spending 38 days in the country. Um... And yeah, it should should be a lot of fun. I am doing the whole touristy thing as well, so I'm not going to spend my whole time uh, doing anything. But if I do visit in clubs or anything like that, I'll let you guys know. Don't you worry about that. I will definitely be speaking of any experiences that I have when it comes to any clubs or dungeons or oddities, sexual oddities, I guess as well would be would be part of that. Um, so yeah. Enough of that. I've talked about that enough as well. Another exciting thing that might have popped up is that I could be going over the ditch uh, for a little bit in May, uh, probably just for a weekend at this point. And I'm not going to speculate too much on this because, again, nothing's been confirmed on the site. My trip to America, completely confirmed. I'll pay for my flights. I've got my car sorted. Everything's all sorted there. But this Australian part hasn't really gone through its through the formative stages at the moment. So... That could be a possibility in May. I'll give you more details um, once I get them, I guess. Uh, and that could be really, really cool and really, 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 really fun as well if um, if it all goes ahead, I guess. Now, the next little thing that I want to sort of get into on this is that um, I received another email this week, um, which was which was really, really cool. I won't say a name again because I haven't asked for permission to use it, but it was really, really long and detailed and really, really cool to listen to. It gave me some cool ideas as to where we could potentially um, go with, with this podcast a little bit more, which is really, really cool. 
Um, I won't read it all out because I did say it was it was quite long, but I'll I'll go through uh, go through a little bit. So this 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 wonderful I, I can say woman this wonderful woman she's been following my podcast for a few weeks. She's catching up from the beginning, which is great, and she heard me on normalizing non-monogamy. Um, so again. Thank you so much to, to Finn and Emma. Um, go check out that podcast as well, Normalizing Non-Monogamy. Really, really good podcast. Really, really cool, intelligent um, people who run that as well. Really, really fun chat. And it was, and they said it was great to hear local content. Um, so they're from New Zealand as well. Recently heard the December podcast and wanted to reach out. Um, and happy that I open up so much about all my personal stuff to all of you listeners. And hope that I got some more support from people. It's interesting how she felt personally involved as a listener, and that my voice and stories become so familiar. And that's that's really kind of heartwarming for me. I'm not going to lie; it, it feels really, really nice to hear that sort of stuff. Um, uh, but we'll go into into the the crux of her email now. But she won't go into, we won't go into the story too much. Um, but she's been looking for stories and information about transitioning a marriage into a polyamorous relationship and that's how she found this podcast thankfully this podcast has also reconnected her and her husband to their kink side which is really really cool i love people getting back into into the the things that they did previously um so yeah it was neglected while they were settling and having kids i'm guessing they just moved i'm not 100 percent sure about that but having kids can definitely throw a spanner in the works and um there's a specific topic that she's having trouble finding uh, interesting stories and things about. And this is couples regaining trust after it's been broken without having to go back to monogamy to be able to rebuild that. And it's, it's I guess it is kind of a tough one to, to be able to find anything on because we do obviously hear all of these wonderful, marvellous things about polyamory and non-monogamy and all of that sort of stuff. But not often do we really hear about you know, the fact that cheating does still happen. Even though people can be completely honest with each other and say, hey, this happened or this didn't happen, there is still cheating involved with it. And that's what I think is happening here when she's talking about the regaining trust after it's been broken. So on the topic of ethical non-monogamy, a lot is said about how great it all is, like we've just said, and it's all ethical and people can be honest and trust each other. But what if the trust has been broken by actions that were behind someone's back for whatever reason? I do hear people say that even in non-monogamy they can be cheating, which of course is true. So what do you do when that has happened and you want to stay together? But you also see the cheating as a sign that you may be wanting to see other people as well. How do you go back to trusting the other person without going back to monogamy? In general, I struggle to find any stories of people who have transitioned to a poly lifestyle and stayed together long term after that. Most people that are here on podcasts have left a mono relationship to become poly with new primates. May not be a priority for me now, but it it's may be interesting to explore on the podcast about infidelity and regaining trust in non non monogamous relationships. Um, and I just want to touch on this. I think that's a really really awesome topic that that probably doesn't get as much airtime as as it perhaps deserves, I guess, um, because there is obviously, like stated in the email, there is still cheating and moving behind people's backs and all of that sort of stuff in in non-monogamy, and one of the big um, 
big detractors of non-monogamous relationships and things like that is that um, you know people just go off and do their own thing and they don't last. So I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of research into this here. Um, it's pop it might be the next podcast, might be the one after. I'm not too sure yet, uh, but I'm definitely going to do a, a an episode on either infidelity or or you know and regaining that trust in non-monogamous relationships and maybe even staying long-term poly or non-monogamous. Um, definitely gonna gonna talk. Uh, about that, I'm really, really excited to to go and do that, which would be really, really cool, and and definitely get into that. Now we're going to get into the crux of the episode here. Uh, we're going to move into what this episode's all about. As you can tell by the title, it's about all of the dark desires, all of the edge play, the kinky of the kinky. All of that raw, unadulterated, dirty stuff. But we're probably going to do it in an educational sense to make it all boring. So, haha. <laughs> Unlucky. Um, what I will say before I go into all of this, I was on a podcast with the lovely Nordia Black called The Deviants Podcast. If you haven't checked that out, please, please do. There's some really awesome conversations in there with her guest hosts and... Um, I was lucky enough to be one of those guest hosts, um, and we talked about some some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. Um, but I'm going to go probably go a little bit more in depth with it, um, and and hit into some of the do's and don'ts and and all of that sort of thing. But before we go fully into it, there is most definitely going to be a trigger warning in place for this episode um, because this is going to touch on a few things um, that some people might find uncomfortable. Uh, we, we will be talking about blood play. We will be talking about you know, uh, needle play. We will definitely be talking a little bit about knife play. We'll be talking about breath play. Um, and it's all, I, I use these play words quite a bit when describing these. It's just a lot easier. Um, electro play or electrostimulation. Um, consensual non-consent, which is um, something that I... An, another name for it is rape play. I don't like using that term, but it is out there. We'll be talking a little bit about fire play. And, yeah, things like that. So there's there's definitely going to be a big trigger warning uh, on this one. If you're uncomfortable with any of those topics, I would say that this might not be the episode for you. Um, it's purely just I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want anybody to go into any sort of reaction that is is not positive, I guess. Um, this is a, a, a really positive podcast in, in many different ways. I don't really want somebody to, you know, get... A, a, a reaction of sorts and and um, go into a big tailspin or anything like that. So, again, big, big, big trigger warning here um, that we will be talk, we will be discussing these topics today. You let me violate you. 
And that right there, Closer by Nine Inch Nails, has to be one of my favourite, favourite songs uh, to to have a scene to, to get excited about. And obviously, to fuck too. There's something that's just carnal about it, I guess. But anyway, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. Today we're talking about edge play. Uh, edge play can be... Literally can be can be anything that you consider to be edgy for you. It's it's different for most people, but I'm going to go through the more common um, sort of sides of edge play, I guess, um, that might be known. And again, before we start, I'm going to throw out a big trigger warning again. I'm going to keep doing this um, just purely because there are some things in here that won't be uh, won't be good for some listeners to hear and can obviously trigger you into uh, some sort of reaction. Um, I'm going to try and go through this as succinctly as I can with the time that I have. It is 9 o'clock here. Um, I'm up at 3.30 in the morning for work, so do bear with me. I am a little bit tired, um, but I will try and get through as much of this as, as I can, and and I'll try and infuse some of my, my personal experiences with the guys. Um, because that's what we're all about here. I talk about myself a shit ton because it's fun. But let's stop talking about me now and let's get straight into what edge play really is. I'm going to pull this from basically what I would call a BDSM wiki site, for lack of a better term. Um, it's even called BDSM wiki. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull it from from there. Um, so within BDSM, edge play is a uh, Completely subjective term, so it can mean, like I said just a moment ago, it can mean different things to different people. Something that is edge play for one person may not be for another. Um, so, edge play is a subjective term for activity which could be sexual or mentally manipulative, I guess, uh, that may challenge the conventional safe, sane, and consensual scheme. But if you're aware of the risks and consequences that might be involved and you're willing to accept them, then it would be consider, considered rack or risk-aware consensual kink, so that everybody knows what's involved with it. Some edge play includes what we're talking about today, like I said, blood, knives, needles, electro, fire, um, and consensual non-consent, all that sort of thing. Um, erotic asphyxiation. Uh, you can include guns. I don't have experience in that, so I'm not going to talk about it. It also has the increase, increased risk of disease seroconverting when the risk of bodily fluid exchange is present such as with you know cutting with a knife or you know obviously blood play or in in a lot of people also consider bare backing so sex without any protection as um as edge play as well because there is that increased risk of those bloodborne diseases and whatnot um being able to be transferred across the mindset of those involved 
constitutes what edgeplay is because of knowledge of experience with the activity or partners may dictate what and to what extent they will act. The propriety for more dangerous or taboo themed activities varies by individual due to differences in moralities as well as trust between the participants and experience. The only consistent rule is that activities must not be coercive, deceitful or injurious without prior, cons- prior agreement or knowledge or consent. This does exclude how others may react to the outcomes of the activity if they go beyond what can be handled by the partners. In the mid-90s, Living in Leather Convention did not have panels on age play or scat because at the time they were considered too extreme for consensual activity. <coughs> By 2000, some of them, some considered them to be within the scope of age play. So, the main thing that, to remember in this is edge play is what you consider edge play and your partner or whoever you're playing with is, is considered as edge play as well. Um, there's no set, this is edge play, this is not. It's basically what could potentially cause damage to a human being. Okay. Um, the dangers, there's obviously a whole bunch of dangers that come with these things. as like practicing with somebody who's not trained in, in what they're doing, hasn't had enough time to be able to really get onto it. Um, get training from an expert when you're doing it, please, as well, people. Keep firmly in mind that I could be wrong. The internet has a lot of misinformation, and you might do it differently to me. The, also in the community, about various forms of edge play to include within circles, of those with great reputation experience within the public link kink lifestyle community. There's a lot of information there as well. So just be careful. Find your sources. Find many different sources before you go through and do any of these things. Keep in mind that you did meet someone, had a great time, and didn't immediately die from it, and had no visible injury or immediate repercussions. That does not mean that the activity is safe and that you should try it, or that they have any clue what they're talking about. Many injuries sustained from risky activities are both invisible and cumulative and can cause severe failure of various vital organs throughout the body over time. Many people who die from various edge play injuries believe they knew exactly what tiny and mitigated risks inverted commas there, they were talking about and instead turned out to be quite literally dead wrong. Please do not let yourself become a statistic. When regarding edge play, uh, there's no collectible value implied or expressed by myself or acknowledged by you guys. I'm not responsible for the use of what I say. And this is purely to provide information on techniques for educational purposes. And it's not a recommendation of that you should do it this way. I'm also not going to hold myself responsible for any injury resulting from the use or misuse of anything I say today. And I will, I'm basically saying that I am free from all liability from this sort of thing. Just purely covering myself there um, for, for obvious reasons. I don't want somebody to listen to this and go, hey, but this guy said it's okay. Um, there's a lot of practice, a lot of time, a lot of energy that needs to go into doing and learning these things. So, now that I've gone through all of that boring stuff and, and stuff that nobody really wants to hear about, 
let's get into what um, you really came here for. We're going to start with probably one of the more extreme sides of all of this. And my, my flatmate is laughing through the window as I'm, as I'm saying this, grinning like an absolute idiot. Um, but we're going to start on blood play. I'm going to define this as sexual play defined by hematolagnia, which is a physical attraction to blood. And this may be the smell, the sight, or the texture of blood. Usually, this involves cutting your sexual partner or having them cut you, but not always. And smearing the blood on your body and sometimes even drinking the blood of your partner. There are people that use IVs and things like that as part of this. Um, obviously, there's uh, a lot of different parts that can cause blood. We're going to talk about a couple uh, as we go through later on. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about needles and a little bit about blood play as, as part of that as well. So that's, yet again, I'm going to add in just a little trigger warning um, as, as part of this because we will be talking about the drawing of blood um, and those who have had potentially suicidal or self-harming um, things in the past might get triggered by this. So I, I'm going to start with an article um, as to why some people are turned on by blood. Whether we're talking about broken hymens or navigating the ins and outs of period sex, blood and sex have an undeniable connection. Okay? For some people, it's specifically what gets them off. It's a blood fetish. It involves cutting the body. I, I, they use the term cutting, I think it can be any way of, of drawing blood, whether it be via IV or, like I said, by a knife, by a needle. Um, even via impact in, in many different ways. The fetishes can involve cutting one another open with sharp knives, surgical instruments like needles, and smearing blood across the body on objects, the drinking of blood, and even just enjoying the sensation of seeing someone bleed. They can also have more symbolic gestures, such as wearing a vial of your partner's blood as a necklace, which is Really, really interesting. Even Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton were probably the ones to make this famous um, back in back in 2001. The appeal of blood play for some people is rooted in in primal instincts, really. So you see a lot of blood play even with the tearing of flesh during primal scenes, uh, where you've got primal prey and primal hunters and that sort of thing. And it's very, very intimate. I, I, I've always said that it's probably one of the most intimate things you can do is, is draw someone's blood or have someone draw yours. Is it brings, it really does bring you closer together um, in, in such a fantastic way, in such an awesome way that it just, it's it's quite delicious to, to even see two others doing it. It's quite intoxicating, um, I think, anyway. There's a whole bunch of trust that's involved with blood play. It's, it's genuinely life or death. And some people might just enjoy the masochistic element and the pain of it. Blood and it, genuinely, like as as I've just sort of noticed, um, as as I've gone through my own journey and that side of things, it becomes quite cathartic, and it, and you become well, I personally come quite relaxed um, 
after seeing a scene where there's been blood spilt and there's all of that sort of sort of thing. There's quite often a, an emotional release release um, when when the blood comes through as well, uh, just purely because you have such an endorphin rush, such such a high uh, that it's it's quite difficult to to be able to not um, get into that sort of things. And like like I said in my trigger warning, it's important to note that blood play could be connected to unresolved emotional issues and self-harm, but that's probably the minority of people who enjoyed with it. Um, there was a study in 2007 that was done by uh, Dr. Michael Aaron, who is a New York-based therapist. In 2017, sorry, it, him and a team of researchers found that among 200 people they surveyed, the majority of those who enjoyed extreme BDSM activities weren't driven by harmful urges. There does need to be a lot more research than just 200 people, but that's definitely one of those things to sit there and go, yeah, you know what, maybe not, maybe not. It's hard to say how many people engage in blood play, um, but they aren't overly, overly common. Uh, for example, on Reddit, blood play subreddit has 109 subscribers, while blood fetish has 13. But I do think that there's a lot more out there than people think personally. And that there's plenty of reasons why people don't really talk about blood fetishes and that sort of things. And one of them is the extreme danger that is involved with it. Um, along with the obvious risk of accidentally hurting yourself or your partner, people who, dry, who try blood play do risk infection from cuts, um, transmission of STIs, such, especially like HIV and things like that. It's, it is a bloodborne disease and makes it a oh, bloodborne infection, if you will. If the, and it can quite easily transfer over through that. There's plenty of people who say never exchange blood with a partner, but if you're both safe, then I generally can't see too much of an issue with it. You need to have fully clear um, tests for that, though, as far as I'm concerned. There was a woman who said, what I think people don't realize about blood fetishes is how much responsibility and how much effort you have to put into doing something that's just a little off the beaten track. She had to go to classes on how to do it safely, correctly, practiced and practiced on tomatoes. And it was done with a scalpel. And do it over and over and over again before you do it on a live person. You don't want to nip a vein or anything like that because that's when it can get really quite nasty, really, really quickly. And it all comes under the, the rack that I talked about earlier, the risk-aware consensual kink, and having those standards there before you can, can really go into it. Now, there are a lot of safe ways um, to, to get into blood play if, if blood does turn you on and you want to in, indulge in that. You can do it by role-playing, of course. You know, drinking something like red wine, ketchup, prop blood, anything like that, and use the power of dirty talk to bring that alive. And it's 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 really quite interesting. So I want to go into a little bit of the the safety side here on it, I guess, um, just to just to make sure that people get a, a little bit more of an idea of what's involved if you want to get into. Um, into blood play. Actually, you know what? We're probably going to touch on 
uh, a lot more of this as we go through this because like I said we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, talk about knife play we're gonna talk about needles and things like that so I can probably touch on it a little bit more as as I'm going through and going through that side of things um, so on on that note we are going to move on to the next little part of, of blood play um, which is going to be uh, needles and needle play. Uh, it, it, it's also seen as um, play piercing or recreational acupuncture or you know anything like that, rather than it really giving you a permanent body decoration. Uh, a lot of the ones that I've seen is just slightly through the skin, depending on the gauge of the needle out the other side, and you do it in shapes. I've seen lots and lots and lots of pretty shapes, um, like a, a shell on someone's back that goes down to the end of their arm or or down their leg which are really really quite beautiful um, if I'm completely honest um, but play piercing or needle play as part of a scene um, can really produce an intense natural and I can't emphasize that enough natural endorphin high uh, which generally lasts for hours and depending on the kind of masochist you are I guess it can actually induce orgasm in many of the people who who go through with it the experience of multiple piercings in an erotically or even spiritually um, charged context is really, really different um, from the experience that most people have had when it comes to, you know, using needles in medical settings. And and the main reason for that is that the the needle is placed through the skin at a second so that both ends are accessible, so you can see for lack of a better term, the handle of the needle and the actual needle itself coming out the other side as opposed to it going into the skin. Although, in saying that, you can use needles going straight into the skin as well. There's nothing against that. You just need to be careful of how deep you're going. You obviously need a sterile environment when you're doing this. Um, I would also use neutral gloves. Um, I would start with 22 gauge needles, quite thin. Um, could use 24, but single use hypodermic needles are your best way to go. And start at 22, 24 gauge. You may work out from that. I know people who use quite thick needles now, but definitely do um, start with that. Needle clippers and end caps or styrofoam bibs. Don't use cork as an end cap. Uh, that can get just a little bit iffy, um, especially as wood and things like that can quite easily carry all sorts of nasty, nasty things. Betadine and iodine wipes. Always use your iodine wipe when you're going over the piece of skin that you're going to be putting the needle into. 91% uh, alcohol solution, mini flashlight, sugary snacks and water, bandages, smelling salts and a warm blanket. Uh, you can also use skin markers and you know decorations for the needles if you want to, like feathers or ribbons or whatever. Um, there's been a lot of, I guess, needle corsets have been done. So you put the needles down the spine of a person, either side of the spine, and then you wrap them together with a ribbon, and I think that looks really, really, really pretty as well. So some of the risks uh, is as part of this is improper piercing technique. Uh, it can cause blood loss, it can cause infection, it can cause contamination of bloodborne pathogens, which can cause to 
some discomfort and, and the worst, death. Um, I would highly suggest not taking drugs or alcohol because um, the use of those, or even, even things like um, paracetamol as well, anything blood thinning. Okay? Um, yeah, because that can cause severe blood loss and it basically stops your blood from clotting, which is what encases the wound and allows it to heal um, without, with, with less chance of contamination, I guess. Um, so if you have a low blood pressure and you're taking tablets for that, yeah, definitely stay away. Um, needles can trigger people, of course. Even proper technique can still result in some some minor bleeding and things like that. And bruising is a big thing to come out of needles. So if you don't want it seen, don't do it in a place um, where it could be seen. That's that's pretty straightforward. Um, you can get scarring from it. It's not often, but you can. It can happen. The usual stuff: be prepared, hands-on training. Don't use any of the performance thinning stuff. Um, I'm going to include negotiation as part of all of this as well. So the patterns, the number of needles, who's doing it, what safety precautions you have in set, and all the things like that. And this is the, this is where it becomes a little fun for me, you know, people. This is where it gets oh so delicious into the sadistic play. So sadistic play, and I've used a fair few of these. It includes pushing larger needles through slowly, obviously making the pain felt a lot more, piercing sensitive areas, pulling on, tapping, and twisting of the needles. Attaching bondage such as tiny weights or strings, like I said, the ribbon just before. Be very, very careful when attaching to the needles, as the skin may not hold what you're attaching, and the needle could actually tear through the skin on that. Needles can also be used to pierce things together, such as lips, to prevent speech. I haven't done that yet, but it's something I really want to do. I'm just a little worried about the about the scarring. The other thing that I want to say is never use the same needle twice. Single use needles only. Because they basically bend and become much more difficult um, to get in. You need to prep the area with alcohol before you put anything on it. Make sure you have uh, a biohazardous waste basket nearby. Not just any old bin. It needs to be in a biohazard sharps container. And that I know it seems obvious, guys, I know it seems obvious, but a lot of people don't know this and think, okay, I can do this, it's going to be fine. Um, back to the sadistic side of it again. Um, the use of a violet wand with needles is really, really sexy as well, and really, really beautiful to see, because obviously you've got these, for lack of a better term, surgical steel implements in your arms already, and then you can see a little lightning bolt flash between them, which is quite delicious. If you've pinched the skin to get the needle in, in the first place, so sometimes you need to pinch a little bit to push it through, make sure you're pinching it when you're pulling it out again. If there's any bleeding, make sure you get antiseptic on that straight away. 
and obviously you've got disinfectant or alcohol and whatnot too as as part of that uh, just to be extremely 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 careful okay guys I, I cannot um, I cannot say this say this enough generally you have all your needles packed individually just purely for safety's sake but yeah the thing with with needles is this the sky is really the limit as to where you can where you can um, use them I guess uh, obviously don't I wouldn't put them around the eyes or anything like that that's just a little bit silly but pretty much anywhere on the body um, is where you can put needles which is which is really really cool and really really fun and uh, actually really kinda super hot for me anyway may not be for you guys but it uh, it really is for me so that's my sort of quick one on on um, on needles the other yeah, the last thing that I'll say about that is make sure everything's obviously sterile um, with needles if the packet's been uh, slightly disturbed as uh, before you open it for the, to get the needle please 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 don't use it use the next one but we're going to move on to the next part of blood play and this is probably one of my favorite ones because I like making patterns out of this and it's knife play. I would also include I guess claws in this as well if you've got anything like that that can draw blood. I have I've talked about my, my specialized set of claws that were made to be made for me by a dear friend of mine um, and they can quite easily draw blood and they are um, well, I've got a few um, few different pairs now but they they can be sterilized and they can be um, sterilized properly if need be but let's move on to to knife play itself so the, the best definition that I can find is that when used in a sexual context it refers to the use of a blade to enhance a sexual experience knife play may be used in a variety of ways depending on individual sexual preference it may range from simply showing the knife to instill fear Centrally running the face of the knife along a partner, possibly creating light cuts to heighten sensitivity and excitement. And then there's the sadists and the masochists who can inflict heavy, heavy pain, inflicting gashes that cause permanent scarring. And knife plague can be. I know I'll probably include medical scalpels and things like that in this um, as part of the medical play side of things because it is still a blade that has been used against somebody's skin. So you need to be very, very careful about that. But knife play is generally a form of fear play and obviously part of the blood, but it can be really just sensation only if you're just using the face of the blade or, you know, the blunt end of the blade or something like that. And that's how I would say you should start with knife plays by using the blunt end and using it more as a sensation more than anything else as that's probably probably the safer way to go I would think um, it usually includes making scratches and abrasions and things like that it doesn't 
it can involve cutting or branding if you want to heat the knife up and things like that. Uh, but that's definitely got to be part of the negotiations. So just so you're aware of all the risks involved with this, it often involves moving, moving a blade across sensitive portions of the skin, threatening safety with a knife. Minor scratches and abrasions that might result from light pressing the blades of the skin, and if the blade isn't cleaned, this may lead to infections. Some minor scratches may stay for weeks or months on easily marked skin, while others will heal in a few days. Additional risks from improper technique may include being cut or impaled, resulting in minor, serious or deadly wounds. Having unknown psychological fears being triggered is also a big part of this, which is why I put so many trigger warnings in this, guys. Um, and that results in an unpleasant experience or perhaps even a full psychotic breakdown. If blood is let, let cross-contamination of the blood may occur, which may result in contraction of STI or other blood-borne pathogens. Always need to discuss what you're, do what you're doing. If knives are a psychological thriller, uh, trigger, sorry, I'm thinking about movies there, I think, for a moment. Psychological, tr psychological trigger, or if touching a specific area with a knife is going to um, pull one of those triggers. Even using it to, to destroy clothing could be something like that. Um, I would use rubber gloves if you can, if bloodletting is expected to occur. <coughs> Everything needs to be cleaned and sanitized and laid out in a safe manner. I will always, always say that. I can't say that enough when it comes to objects of steel or anything like that. Um, they absolutely need to be thoroughly sterilized and sanitized. So the, the whole thing about edge play, which is what we're talking about here today, it's actually derived from knife play, and specifically the idea that knives are sharp and very dangerous. You need to respect the power and danger of the blade. Be sure you practice your control to a point where you're comfortable placing a knife on and running it along your own sensitive bits long before you ever place a knife on the skin of another. Actual knife play is even more dangerous than this because your partner may move, they may jump, they may sneeze unexpectedly and you need to react without notice purely for their safety. If this is the first time the bottom has experienced knife play, test their reactions with the blindfold and bondage technique before utilizing a sharp edge on the skin. Never, never, never close or sheath a knife until it's sanitized for, next, for its next use. Do that straight, straight, straight away, people. Make sure you're disinfecting any scratches, dress any cuts, anything like that. There's, there's going to be a couple of things here that um, as as a, a dominant type or D-type um, that I always do while I'm utilizing knife blade. <clears throat> I always show the blade to the person. I'm always a big fan of the, the threat whisper. Like the, what are you going to do? You've got a knife against your throat. What are you going to do? Sort of thing. I love getting inside the head of people. It's one of my one of my big big things, and I'm gonna probably gonna do an episode on behavior modification and that's that sort of thing um, when I get around to it, because that's probably one of my favorite things. Another way to use that it sounds a lot scarier when you say behavior modification. You can call it brat taming, you can call it 
slave training, you can call it whatever you like. Clothing removal with a knife is always uh, a really, really hot thing to do. You can use two knives on your partner. Blunt impact, I like using the handle as well. I also don't mind using the face of the blade for this as well. Chilled metal. So if you if you can freeze the blade in advance, and I would use a glove for this as well, it gives an incredibly, incredibly um, different kind of feel to it. And my my favorite part of this is again with the with the electro side of it because I love it is um, the use of a violet wand. So if you're holding violet wand in one hand and you know, using the knife in such a way that it'll send those electric, elect electrical pulses to the other person through the blade of the knife, um, then it's it creates a really really cool effect. Conversely, you can also heat up the blade as well, which is actually kind of nice um, because the heat also helps get rid of some of the contamination. That doesn't mean that you don't sanitize or anything like that, but that's uh, really, really cool as well. Um, the other thing you can do is, and I love this one as well, is use like a pyro blade. So basically lighting the, the blade of the knife on fire and using that you'd use kerosene or you know something like that. But um, yeah. That's a, a lot of fun as well. Uh, some tips for the bottoms is informing the top. If your skin scars easily, um, feel unimagined, be open about it. Wear replaceable clothing is probably a big one uh, for that as well. So, the last thing that I'll say on this is get knives that you're only going to use for knife play. You might have this really cool camping knife or hunting knife or you know your big 20 inch that's not a knife, this is a knife sort of situations um, but they're never going to be clean enough to be able to use on someone's skin so be very very careful um, around that. We're going to move on to something that's probably a little more common now um, in breath play. So breath play is obviously the, the restriction of breathing especially usually during sex but not always uh, can be done by one's partner known as erotic asphyxiation or alone so auto erotic asphyxiation. There's some people who like wearing a collar, which sort of gives that facade of, well, not even facade, it could still be asphyxiation, but still not the full let's go at it sort of thing. Um, but they didn't like actual breath play itself, so the actual loss of breath. Now, I'm going to talk about autoerotic asphyxia first, um, so that's if you're alone. It's also known as sexual hanging. So it's the practice 
of inducing cerebral hypoxia, usually by the means of self-applied ligatures or suffocating devices while the individual masturbates to orgasm. The most common participants in this practice, in this practice are adolescent and young adult males, ranging from 15 to 29, and it accounts for 6.5% of all the self-induced and adolescent deaths and 31% of all adolescent hanging deaths within the past 10 years. Since in the majority of such deaths it's a family member that finds the individual, the scene of the crime is frequently altered to cover up the sexual nature of the death. Due to this fact, and since the only ones that get reported to the individuals that die, the true number of individuals that participate in this activity may never be known. Deaths related to autoerotic asphyxia, asphyxia have been reported in victims as young as 9 and as old as 80, with 71% of those being less than 30 years old. So the most, now, that we've got, now that we've gotten through the, the diet sort of shit, um, the most common form of autoerotic asphyxia is constriction of the neck. So people say hanging. You can, you can literally just do it yourself with your own hand. Um, I think, but the brain tells you essentially to stop that at some point. The form decreases the amount of blood flow to the brain leading to the cerebral hypoxia. The resulting effect is lightheadedness, acceleration, almost giddiness, and these effects, along with the sheer excitement of the brain of the moment, sorry, multiply the effect of masturbation. Unfortunately, the reduced blood flow to the brain will also create disorientation, weakness, loss of coordination and drowsiness. Hence, an individual may lose the ability to release themselves from their self-induced prison. And that's when the bad stuff happens. Autoerotic auto asphyxia was oddly used as a treatment for erectile dysfunction and impotency for a while. Some documentation noted that a hanged man would sometimes get an erection and even ejaculate while being hanged. And this indeed may have been the focal point for the interest in the odd practice of asphyxia during sexual acti activities. Some people have asked what the real danger of breath play is, and that's quite simple, it's, it's death. It has a tendency to be kind of permanent, I guess, really, doesn't it? And that can mess up a pretty great evening. One statement that I've heard is that breath play is okay as long as you don't do it until the slave or submissive lapses into unconsciousness. This is a little bit disturbing. There's no medically valid way to know exactly when an individual will become unconscious. Secondly, when someone loses consciousness, it is not an end, it is merely a symptom ranging from mere oxygen depletion to cardiac arrest. Third, if the breath play involves choking, then damage to the larynx can occur at any time and is an extremely serious injury that would meet need medical attention immediately. Breath play is always going to be dangerous, guys. Whether it's losing consciousness or not, the risk of any of things going wrong is, is always there. So we'll go through, this, through some basic facts. Anytime there is pressure put on the neck, such as with choking you, run the risk of causing severe and perhaps permanent damage to the carotid arteries. 
This may need to lead to numbness, weakness, dizziness, and difficulty speaking. The larynx you need to stay away from. That's that Adam's apple a bit at the front. You don't want to get to the esophagus. You do want to get to the quadrant artery, so you're looking down the side of the neck. You never go full in on the front of somebody's neck, straight into their throat. That will cause um, some big problems with your larynx. And that's your larynx is incredibly fragile, very easily injured, and it should be avoided at all costs. It may cause swelling of the airways, leading to coughing, choking, inability to speak, and inability to breath. You need to be careful that the airway may become obstructed by the tongue. Swelling of the tongue and lips is quite normal, especially if you're going quite heavily into it. The reduction of the blood flow to the brain tissues during choking may cause ischemia. Since blood contains both oxygen and glucose, when ischemia occurs, it can lead to hypoxia, which is a reduction of oxygen to the brain, as well as hypoglycemia, which is a low blood glucose level. Prolonged hypoxia or ischemia is associated with ischemic attack or a stroke. Transient brain infarction, brain edema, coma, and other conditions. You can also get what's called cerebral anoxia. Hypoxia is, in, is the reduced oxygen flow to the brain. Anoxia is the total absence of oxygen within the brain. If oxygen is prevented from reaching the tissue for too long, tissue death can occur and then cause irreversible brain damage. Less severe cases can cause, can cause sensory distortions and hallucinations. May force the heart to beat more rapidly and beat erratically in an effort to increase the blood flow to the brain. Therefore, you can get heart arrhythmia or heart attack. You can also use balls and gags as, as part of breath play. These are a lot of fun as well. I love these. You can use ones with a hollow ball if you're using a ball gag, which is absolutely great because it still allows breathing that that whole time. Um, you need to be careful of vomiting and things like this here, though. Try not to use tape if you can, but you, I know duct tape is quite common for something like this. Fucking hurts when it takes it off, though. Fucking hurts. Um, but... Yeah, those those are sort of your your basic rundowns of of anything breath play. Um, if if you really want to get into it, you can sort of go um, even to like a judo class or anything like that and learn to do it those ways. But again, try not to take take it to the extreme when you first try it. Start off slow. It's more fun that way as well as a lot safer. And on that note, we've we've sort of gotten up to the hour mark now, so um, I'm gonna have to turn this again into another two-parter, aren't I? Um, I've been trying to really keep my episodes to that sort of hour length because I know some of them can be quite long and they can get a little bit tedious at times. I'm I'm quite aware of that, um, so. I'm I'm going to end this this episode here at, at the hour mark, and next time we're going to talk about some electro play. We're going to talk about some fire play, and the arguably one of the big ones 
consensual non-consent, otherwise known as, and I don't like using this term, rape play. But for now, my lovely little sluts, I'll see you next time. For the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's here that I must be. My heart entreats, just hear those savage beats and go put on your cleats and come and trample me. is hard as stone or mahogany that's why i'm in such exquisite agony my soul is on fire it's a flame with desire which is why i perspire when we tango you caught my nose in your left castanet love i can feel the pain yet love Every time I hear drums And I envy the rose That you held in your teeth, love With the thorns underneath, love Sticking into your gums Your eyes cast a spell that bewitches the last time I needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash you made with your lash as we dance to the masochism tango. Bash in my brain and make me scream with pain, then kick me once again and say we'll never part. I know too well I'm underneath your spell, so darling if you smell something burning it's my heart. Don't you take your cigarette from its holder and burn your initials in my shoulder fracture my spine and swear that you're mine as we dance to the massacre